2: Welcome to the True Beauty Brooklyn podcast. I'm Elizabeth Taylor. And I'm Alex Shapiro. We're estheticians in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we work with really incredible, diverse, ambitious, and driven people who are killing it in life. They deserve to be celebrated. And on this podcast, we're going to be sharing their stories with you.
3: Yeah. And in between our interview episodes, we'll have beauty school, where it's just the two of us, maybe some guest stars, and we'll be chatting about beauty, life, Weird shit about being in your 30s and learning more about one another because that's what makes us more similar than different.
2: Also, we're a lot of fun and we have a super multicultural community and we kind of think that you might too. So why not talk about all things beauty under
3: one black and Jewish roof? Plus, we'll be answering listener questions, so be sure to write us at truebeautybrokenpodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, let's jump into the show
2: oh hey guys hey
1: welcome to the true beauty brooklyn
2: podcast welcome it's elizabeth and alex and we are so excited to be back here with you guys well okay first i'm really sorry we took a fucking vacation and didn't tell y'all about it (sighs) We just left, bitches. Right? Last week, I bet y'all came on and you were like, wait a second, why is there, but there's no episode. Two weeks ago, I should say. So I want to apologize for not giving you guys the heads up. Things have been fucking bananas here. And even though we had all of our episodes ready and all that stuff, we forgot to tell the most important people, and that's you. So. Sorry. Sorry, guys. But we're back. And we have so much to tell you guys about. We have, okay, first, before I even get into that, I got to ask y'all a favor. It's kind of a big one, but not really. We love you guys. We love you. We think you're all just so great. We think you guys are fucking fantastic. It seems like you guys like us also. I could tell because of the downloads. I could tell because you guys be writing us letters. You be DMing us. And I die for each and every one of them. I love them so, so much. But we have some haters on the internets. And I would personally be so, so, so grateful if we have helped you guys at all. If you told your cousin about us, if you told your mama, if we made you laugh, would you just go and like write a little review, please? Five stars would be fantastic. I guess I'll take a four star, but I'm not going to be happy about it. But I'll just appreciate (laughs) you writing something nice about us. That would be fab.
3: It would be so, so nice.
2: I know you guys like us. You tell us all the time. We just want the rest of the world to know.
3: <laughs> it really, really helps us and it doesn't take much time at all.
2: Yes. And that's how we We're move not up asking in. for money. It's free. It's free. It's free. I just need like 5 minutes of your time. What's that cost these days? <laughs> so we'd really appreciate that. So that's the first thing. That's the first begging that I need to do. The second thing is We heard you guys. You guys have been asking us So many questions about your bodies. My face looks fly. Thank you so much. What about my cuerpo? So (laughs) so, um, we had this awesome idea to finish out the end of this year with what we are calling the Body Care Chronicles. It's going to be great. It's going to be fucking great. So essentially, Alex and I started to talk about, you know, the body in general, and we you know, are really serious about creating an inclusive beauty community. And so to really double down on that effort, we started to think, like, if we were going to talk about the body, there's so many bodies that don't look like ours. And what would that look like if we were to be truly inclusive? And so we realized that that would look like trans bodies. That would look like pregnant bodies. That would look like postnatal bodies. That would look like, yeah, Yeah, right? Postpartum. Postpartum. Right. You had your baby, now back to you. Those bodies. <laughs> Clearly we need to work on this. Right. We're work guys. We're trying. We realized it would look like, you know, bodies that are in hormone flux. Anyway, we just realized that there's so many different types of bodies and there's no way that this is something that we could possibly try to cover under one episode. So we're going to go from August, September through December. Each month we're going to be focusing on a different type of the body or different aspects of the body we're going to be bringing in we've found like the world's best specialists on these things like we found the best trans doctor dermatologist that works on people on trans skin but also just works with you know Fat deposits and changing the body, not just your face, but changing like the actual physique of your body and what different things trans people need to know that are going through, you know, these huge changes that Alex and I might not necessarily know because it's not something that we you know, specialize in. We're bringing back our girl Trina, Dr. Trina Ebersole, mm-hmm. the beautiful plastic surgeon. She specializes in facial aesthetics. We're bringing her in to talk about... Well, about anything, but we just found out she had a baby. So we're going to ask her some questions about that, about what happens to your body after you have a baby. We're just going to be talking about it all. That's what we're going to be doing. We just wanted to say that to you because we really would love to get questions from you guys. We want to. We want to
3: talk about caring for your body, but not in the traditional sense of like, you need to be thin to be healthy. Totally. be tan to look. I don't know, just a weird shit that we've been all the that's lies been ingrained that, into us.
2: Totally, all the lies that we've been told all of these years. We're trying to bust mm-hmm. them up, and we know that there are incredible people that are out talking about, like you know, fat and we'll talk about skin, and
1: uh, the Thomas body, skins. The, the skin on the body. Totally,
2: we just know that we are serious about making a multicultural inclusive beauty community and we want to try to reach all of you and not all of you guys look like us that's cool but there are people that we can bring on that can reach you and that can speak to your specific needs and we just are really 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 fucking excited about this series I'm so excited really excited so the first couple of weeks like i mentioned we're going to have Dr. McGregor, who is from Union Derm. She's literally the top doctor I'm very specializing. Excited that. i know. I'm so excited, too. She's the top dermatologist in New York City that specializes in trans skin and body. We're going to have Dr. Trina Ebersole as well. She's um, our plastic surgeon. We're going to have a fitness and nutrition specialist. We have Liz Lowe, who is a listener, and she um, is a fitness expert, and she also just launched her app, We are going to have an incredible nutritionist, dietitian on. We're just so excited. So send us your questions. If you guys have any questions about any of those things that I just mentioned, please send us your questions to TrueBeautyBrooklynPodcast at gmail.com. We're doing this for you. We want you guys to tell us what you want to hear because that's how we make great episodes. Yes. Okay, so enough about that. Let's talk about this week's episode, guys. Today, we are speaking with Melissa Kiguwa. She is the CEO and founder of Obange, which is a company that lends out jewelry to the members. So it's a jewelry, luxury jewelry. Subscription.
3: Subscription service. So you pay monthly, and you based on which membership you get, you get nice fucking jewelry. Beautiful, luxury dior yves saint laurent that you may not be able to afford otherwise or you're just trying not to produce more shit in the world a hundred percent
2: but even more so what i loved about this conversation first of all melissa is a fucking bad ass badass smart as fuck she got her master's degree from the london school of economics she worked as a radio personality she worked in journalism she worked in Hollywood she has just had her hand in so many incredible things also
3: she's a great radio voice it makes so much sense She, you're gonna love listening to her voice I know you're gonna be like these bitches are coming
2: in again ruining like, like this sound beautiful- so annoying. I, I know, talk she, like this I know she has a beautiful beautiful radio voice but she also just really speaks today about power about how we as women can hold power how we can use our power the different types of power that we have how her mission is to make women feel powerful and also to empower women part of her business is doing crowdfunding but instead of just traditional crowdfunding they do crowd sourcing for
3: it's so smart investing so basically instead of just donating the money you are investing the money. You're
2: investing into her company. So you're mm-hmm. going to be a part owner of the company and get shares and dividends when they go public. Genius. Fucking cool. So you're going to walk around looking like money. You're going to be making money.
3: Kind of like the best thing ever. It's kind also, of the it best Also, it sounds thing. like a good, easy way to get into investing if you're not really familiar with it. Yes. And it's a good, easy way to just... you don't to have tons of money to do it?
2: A hundred percent. Or if you don't really know much about... Who you're investing in, or what you're investing in, at least you know for a hundred dollars. Here's this badass woman that I heard her incredible story on this podcast, and I believe in her and her mission. So, girl, let's go.
3: She'll talk more about it in the episode. It's interesting.
2: Yes, very, very interesting. I just
3: really loved talking to her. She was so smart. I learned a lot. So I know everyone else will learn a lot. And she's had a cool life. She's done some cool shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really like where she is now. I know. I think I it's agree a great too. business idea. And um. Yeah, I think you guys will learn a lot from her. I
2: think so, too. So, guys, without further ado, enjoy our conversation with today's guest, Melissa Kigua, but also... Don't forget about the body care chronicles. That's coming at you starting next week. Please, please, please send us your questions. Share this with your friends who might have different bodies than you, different everything, so that we can really get our, you know, inclusive beauty community rocking and rolling. We need to hear from all of you guys. Yay. All right, guys. Enjoy our episode with Melissa.
1: Thank you. Hi everyone, my name is Melissa Kikua, and I am the founder and CEO of Obange, which is a luxury startup. You can borrow high-end designer jewelry for a monthly membership. We're really trying to democratize luxury, but also practice conscious consumerism. Aside from that, my background before I became an entrepreneur, I worked in the media industry, both as a journalist, but also in Hollywood. And um, I'm a writer, and I host a podcast, and and all the things, right? Yes. All as I, I feel like as um, as women living at this particular time and space, we just need to express ourselves in all the way possible. I you know? know. Well, I it takes
2: know. it takes doing so many things these days to be known, right? Like it's very few of us who can just do one thing and be known on a wide scale. So you have to contain multitudes sort of these days.
1: Yeah. Which is, which I feel like is both unfair, but also exciting depending on your personality, right? Like, you know, part of spinning in the hamster wheel can be really frustrating because you can internalize it if you're unable to make things pop a certain way or you're not moving at the pace that you feel you should. Yes. But then, uh, on the other hand, the beautiful thing about it is if you have the energy and you have the will and you have the gumption, then go flourish, make yes. things happen, shock everyone.
2: Yes. Love that. So, one of the reasons that I was really excited to talk to you is that Alex and I are actually doing something special the last quarter of the year, and so we're doing something called uh, The Body Chronicles, and so we, you know, we're estheticians, and generally we talk about beauty as a whole, but we were getting a lot of questions from clients about, like, but what about the rest of my body? And sort of, like, the more we explored that topic the more we began to dig deeper into our mission and our goals and we realized well if we're just going to talk about bodies like what would it look like if we truly represented everybody that's out there right like if we were truly trying to touch every person what would it look like and we realized that I mean like fat bodies and trans bodies and you know uh, bodies that had babies and older bodies and younger bodies and so we're exp- we're really exploring this topic throughout the entire season because we realize like this is not not a one episode concept by any means. So I'm really excited to talk to you about adorning the body and kind of exploring that topic with exactly what you were saying, with democratizing luxury, but also just talking about the other ways that we can find beauty in ourselves.
1: Yeah, I love I, I love all the things that you've just said. And we could go as deep as you want to go, because I, I feel similar, and this is going to be my response whenever I speak, I'm going to be like, these are the things that are unfair about this thing. And these are the things that are really powerful about these things. And that's kind of how I look at the world. Like there's beauty and then there's the underbelly of it. And, you know, I think that conscious mature minds can hold all those things together. But I, but I would say that when it comes to beauty and where I enter into it, I just feel like as women femmes gender expansive peoples you know we have long lineages related to ritual related to beauty related to showing up in the world the way that we want to and to express ourselves and it's interesting because sometimes you know and I'm sure you all have received this feedback as well people can look at your work as frivolous mm-hmm. and um it's funny. I just I just put out an op ed in the Independent in the United Kingdom and all these men were going so hard, like, oh, my God, she's not an intellectual. No wonder she wrote this garbage about black women because we you just know, read this she... article. The, yeah, um, yeah.
2: Women I... of color, are the real heroes of the Olympics. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Exactly. And I, yes. I basically just said like this superhuman narrative, like maybe we're entering into a new era that doesn't require people to break themselves to be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's that maybe that's old school. Maybe we don't need that anymore. And these people were, you know, solely men, from what I assume from the names, mm-hmm. were like no da, 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 da. And so there seemed to be this, like, narrative around, like, well, we can dismiss what she's saying because she operates in jewelry, right? Right. And so actually what I want to say is, like, for me, like, one of my favorite things is reading, like, old tales about seduction um, Mm -hmm. and how to seduce. And some of my favorite stories, for example, Cleopatra, right? Before she was queen, you know, if you know much about the story of Cleopatra, her whole family, like... They were incestuous, so they slept together. But also, they killed each other, like because everybody was vying for the throne. So you know, sisters out for sister, brothers out for brother. Very quite, quite scandalous, right? That's crazy, mm, right? And so she's she's young, she's maybe a teenager, right? Um, and she sees her brother and her sister, and she knows that that's the competition. Wow! And so as the sort of mythology around her goes, or the the if we're to believe the biographers. She had heard about this, like, really impressive burgeoning soldier called Julius Caesar, and she was like, that's it. That's the man who's going to help secure me the throne because Mm -hmm. I need an army at my beck and call. And so she basically, like, sneaks out of the palace Gets herself wrapped up in a blanket, one of those you know, imagine like those old heavy sort of like blankets, Mm -hmm. and and gets shipped to him. So like nobody knows she's left Egypt. Wow, she's hiding out in this blanket. When she arrives, you know, like she does all this stuff, and then and then in this most dramatic way, the blanket is rolled out in front of Julius Caesar, and out she comes, and she's just looking so startling and beautiful. And he entrance. This bitch knew what she wanted. Thank you.
2: But I I can't just (laughs) arrive. He needs to know that I'm that bitch. He needs to have a presentation.
1: She did not say, send me an Uber Black. Right? She was like, (laughs) I'm coming in the rug. I'm coming in the chopper. I'm coming in the rug. And and, and comes over looking just beautiful and is like, Julius, baby, help me kill my brother and sister so I can secure the throne. And he said... I got you, 100, bet, let's roll. Yep. And they, Also, he knew she was a bad bitch because she's like, I got to
2: get rid of my brother and my sister. He's like, dang, that's cold-hearted, but that's a ride or die.
1: <laughs> that's a ride or die. And, they did. and he did. He called his army and they went and he helped her secure the throne. Wow. So I love learning or reading about stories about seduction, but also about power and also about the way adornment, coming back to this, right, mm-hmm. that... We use it as a tool. And to me, that is the beauty and the power of, you know, the conversations we can have today. Mm -hmm. The underbelly is when we think it's our only tool, right? So we internalize ideas about our beauty, that our body is not good enough, that Mm -hmm. are, you know, if we don't have the flashy, luxurious thing, then we're not fly enough. Mm -hmm. We can't match the images we see on Instagram. That's the underbelly of it. Mm -hmm. But when we recognize it as a tool, and just one of many that we have to access our power, our beauty, our sense of self in this world, then what can't we do, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Oh my God. Wow. What an intro. That, so much of that, I love... So much. We've got to break it all down. We've got to break all of that down. Damn.
3: Okay. So wait, we should okay. rewind. you got to tell yes. us about you.
2: Who is this goddess that's speaking the truth right now? <laughs> Who is Miss Melissa? Will you tell us a little bit about your formative years, like where you came from and what your childhood was like?
1: Yeah. So I had a very weird childhood. It was very bizarre. I always begin with my mom's story. And she's so funny. Whenever I mention her, she's like, you got to stop talking about me. And I'm like, but I come from you. I come from you. This is (laughs) you or me. Yeah, you are me and I am you. But my mom, if you know anything, I'm East African, I'm Ugandan. Mm -hmm. um, And if you know anything about sort of African politics, Idi Amin was one of the sort of, he's one of the most famous sort of dictators that came out of Africa and specifically Uganda. The last king of Scotland, the movie, is also about him. Mm -hmm. And so my mom fled during that time. She was a political asylum and she landed in London. And London was, and I say all this because it's I think it's important for us to track our sort of lineage and to to, to talk about where we come from, right? 100%. So for my mom, she always had this sensibility of like there must be more, right? Which which wasn't like any of her sisters or anything else. Like she she landed in London, cleaned was a was a chambermaid, cleaned hotels and bed and breakfasts and that whole stuff, and just really just was part of the immigrant hustle. Mm-hmm. Met my dad, had me, and they were just trying. They ended up divorcing when I was about five, and then my mom comes home one day and goes, want to move to the United States? And I was like, sure, she like, applied <laughs> to a job. She applied to a job in the classifieds and we moved. But we'd continue to move maybe every few years of my life. So I went to maybe 15 different schools.
2: Wow. Um,
1: yeah, I went to three different high schools. So it was a lot. And we'd moved to very different places, right? all white towns, some destitute towns, some more wealthy to- Like we Was just- this always mm-hmm. in America?
2: This was always in the United States? This was always to-
1: in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So East Coast, West Coast, Massachusetts, Arizona, Oregon, like we were just bouncing all over. And so I say all that because I think that really formed my sensibility in mm-hmm. terms of being able to See the world, recognize, you know, that, hey, maybe the narratives I've been given, I can kind of change them. I can Mm -hmm. I can adopt how I want to, you know, coming into this idea of beauty and adornment. I can I can sort of shape shift who I want to be to fit what I need. Can I ask you a question about
2: um, so I think as American black people, we have a very big disconnect with uh, European black people with like specifically British black people. And so I think. Whenever I learn things about the way that we look at each other, it's always very interesting to me because I think that here we always think, like, oh, a black person with a British accent, they are looked at a little bit more, you know, posh. Like, they're not... I don't know, like, you know, like, more upper class, I guess the word is. And I remember hearing this podcast from this black British girl, and she was saying, you know, when I was a kid, I think her mother was African, and she said, when I was a kid, I was embarrassed of my mom being African, and so I would say that I was American. I was just like, oh, yeah, my family's from America. And to me, Mm -hmm. I just thought, like, how interesting it is that that's better to her. Like, that is, like, cooler. Whereas to me, like, we're on this side looking at, you know, like I just said, british african people like with these you know fancy accents and this whole other culture and so for you to come as like a black british person to america did you feel that any one way or another about it or did you not think about it much
1: i had many experiences coming here and recognizing like race is real here i don't think at least where i was raised in london everybody was sort of an immigrant everybody you know like everybody's parents had an accent everybody you know like my friend Raj smelled like curry so you can't make fun of me because I can make fun of you too like we can't right. you know right all, we all you know we're all sort of in this pot together but I think that makes light of something that's a lot deeper in what you've said there are very real differences between different diasporic black people mm-hmm. but partly you know this is all this is all a cause of like we weren't necessarily supposed to be in these lands anyway right like there there was there was a big kidnap and there was like a slave trade (laughs) and there were all these things and here we are so many centuries later really dealing with the intergenerational impact of that Mm -hmm. and i think that schisms and differences will always happen if you are a second-class citizen in your own country then you're going to look and say, hmm, how are those people over there being treated? And there's always a sense of, are we the same? Are we different? We're still trying to figure ourselves out.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so, for example, my background, I worked in Hollywood. For sure, there is a definite sort of relationship between Black British actors and actresses being able to come over and get jobs that Black American actors and actresses who have been struggling for, you know, Mm -hmm. quite a while in the industry, they don't get. There mm-hmm. is that narrative. But when you go to the UK and you see where, you know, Black British people living, it's still in welfare housing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still dealing with, you know, the lowest sort of totem pole in terms of, you know, class and race. I think that the United States, there's a bit more... If you're able to access it, it's very hard, but there's a bit more upward mobility available to you if you live in the United States. Mm. Britain is very aristocratic. It's Mm. very old school. It's very, you know... One doesn't just wake up and try to become an entrepreneur, but mm. you can try that here. The odds are still stacked against you, but you can try that here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but this is sociological, this is anthropological, and it's political, like totally. And I asked different- you such a broad question, like to- right,
2: <laughs> <laughs> a hugely broad right. swathing question, and you gave me. It's such a beautiful answer so I apologize for putting like the entire weight of a, per- of a people an entire African diaspora on your shoulders <laughs> tell us about the difference between the two you handled that great no honestly and it's very, it's, it's very very interesting because this is a conversation I'm sure you and I both know maybe not all of our listeners know but it is a conversation that happens within the black community is like so why do British black actors come over and they're looked at in a certain way and but uh, American black actors aren't looked at in the same way so it's very very right. interesting interesting Interesting. And I appreciate you taking us down on on that little journey.
3: I learned uh, something new.
2: Yeah, for sure. So for you moving from place to place in your childhood, how did you handle that? Were you down for the adventure? Were you like wanting stability? Like how did you feel about constantly moving?
1: Yeah, I think as a kid, I didn't know what was happening. It was normal. It was when I became an adult and you know, you're, you're making friends with other people and learning about their stories. And you're like, Oh, we had quite different childhood stories. But I think the way that I internalized it was I saw life as a big grand adventure, and Mm. I wanted to see all the things. And so I think that that's one of the biggest gifts that, you know, at least that gave me. I was was very introverted. I read a lot because we'd move so much. Sometimes some places were more friendly, some places were not. And so I just learned to read, you Mm. know, when we were in places that weren't the most friendly. And so I would read like all these like adventure stories. And I I tell my little cousins this all the time because I'm like, do you really want to be like Sleeping Beauty or Snow White who's just lying there and you're bored? Yeah, and then, and then the <laughs> night comes and kisses you, and like you don't even get freedom. Then you gotta go with the night. Is that really the oh life? Oh my god, you want? I love or... this.
2: You're like watching Disney movies, just like girls. Look, come fuck on, fuck this, come on. They're like, like Auntie, move. Yeah. You're like, no, no, let's talk about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like. Oh, you just, so you just want to lie on a bed for 20 years. Okay, girl. All yeah. right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to ride the horse and fight some gargoyles. So yes. I, I think that's very much indicative of like my path and the path I've taken. You know, Before I moved to Hollywood, I worked as a freelance journalist, and I traveled the world. I would be in China. I was in Africa. I was in South America. And that was really just like, you know, we don't have many tropes of the carefree black girl, but that was very much me. So, I love it.
2: Yes. Yeah. As close as we can get to that as possible, please more of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you were a journalist, what were you drawn to writing about?
1: I had a radio program. And I had a TV show while I was in East Africa. And that was a lot of fun. Mm. And at the time, I'm still pretty political. But then I was real radical, like on my Angela Davis, like people power, power to the people stuff. Yeah. So I think the radio show thought they were giving me a nighttime show to talk about love (laughs) and how that was we're going to talk about sex and fucking and all the things that could get us (laughs) shut down yes and that's and that's what i did and so like we'd get letters all the time you know because again this is a very like puritanical you know um this this is in africa and i would have like yeah i'd have gay men on my show i'd have sex workers on my show i'd have Yeah, we got a few letters. I love this.
2: But you're you're there for the people. You're there to shed light on the you know what's happening in the world. Just like I, I love that because putting myself in your position, like that's so brave of you. And I love that you're giving that voice to so many communities.
1: Well, it's so funny because um, I remember having one episode and one of the guys came in at, you know, he was, he was a male sex worker. And my whole thing was, you know, like sometimes you have to frame something so that people don't just take you off air. Mm-hmm. So I framed it as he's Ugandan, he's a sex worker in Uganda, so this this we need to talk about it we need to talk about you know sexual health and we need to talk about the realities of this because it's happening right so you know he was like yeah sure sure like we'll frame it that way that's great but as what happens when you're having a conversation with someone and it's just flowing and you feel comfortable he's thinking I'm just like hanging out with him at a bar and so he just starts saying off the chart stuff (laughs) oh my god I love it (laughs) I, was like, I love this oh, so much. this is it. Yes. <laughs> oh,
0: this and
2: is also, how one. good are you at your job that you that this person forgets that
1: they're completely mic'd up? <laughs> right he made himself feel comfortable but i'll t- I'll take the credit he, he made himself very comfortable yeah. so
3: good so fucking good
1: so yeah. what happened with that story we got like a fine and we got you know a bunch of stuff but that was the episode that sort of made my show one of the top shows on air because so wow. many people tuned in because mm-hmm. no one had heard that before and no one had you know openly heard someone speak like him and and I think my biggest thing is, like, and, and, and listening to someone, like, what they're saying is valid. Like, I wasn't coming to negate it. I wasn't coming to fight it. I'm like, yeah, tell me your experience and tell me what that looks like for you. Define these terms for us. Like, you know, I'm, yes. and so I think that was, I, I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, I offered for that interview was just being like, tell your story. And yeah, after that, we did we did really well. And I could have all sorts of shows about, you know, like the need for men to go down on women, which again, people would think is frivolous, but I'm like, this is huge. Like let's talk about women's pleasure. Let's talk about women's repression. Like all of that goes really deep. And sexuality is a big part of how we live in the world. A hundred
2: percent. It's only frivolous to people who it's never been an issue for. Straight white guys. It's never been an issue for a certain segment of us to speak openly about what their preferences are and what they want Mm in a partner and what they demand in a partner. And so it is revolutionary to talk from an angle that nobody else has heard of sometimes. And it isn't frivolous. It's like, yeah, it's easy for you to say when it's been happening literally for 3000 years in your favor, bro, bro. And you know
1: what? (laughs) And I would even say that they do have an issue because here's the thing, right? Like, and this is the way that it impacts all of us, right? Your girlfriend has never come but you've never been with a woman who has orgasmed.
0: Mm-hmm. What does
1: that mean about your sexuality? What does that mean about the depths you've been able to go? Like, what, you mm-hmm. come in 10 minutes? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Right? I'm sorry that you've not experienced profound, deep connection through sexual healing. Like, sorry for you.
2: This brings up so many I'm other things real. that I, like... <laughs> you know, because I'm just imagining, you know, like the incels and, like, it's just all these other areas... In which men blame women for issues when it's not women's faults that society has has made people think certain things in a way. And now we're a generation of people who aren't afraid to ask for what they want and aren't afraid to stand up for what they want and aren't afraid to get whatever it is in so many ways. And I think also just, like, the advent mm-hmm. of the Internet and having so—who the fuck knows? But just, like, all, all of these different ways <laughs> that, like, men are now—they always yeah. have, but especially now, I think, are— Just vocalizing terrible things about women for just wanting to be equal, for just wanting the same things that you have been awarded for so long without even questions. Like, not to again change the subject, but now seeing what's going on in Afghanistan, it's like, my God, like, you know, seeing the governor Mm -hmm. say, like, there's nobody, there's nothing I can do but sit here and wait for the Taliban to come and kill me because I'm a woman that dared to want something in life. Besides a right. husband. Right. So like all of these yeah. things that we as first world women are awarded, all these protections that so many other women in this on this planet aren't.
1: And some women in the United States too, yes. right? Like yes. that also There's also the underbelly of, you know, the sex trade here yes. and all of that. And trans people. And trans people, migrant women or, you know, undocumented women who come in and the things they have to go through. So what I say to that is, and it's something I think a lot about, because I think perspective is so valuable, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it really underlies, like, why I started my company and the ways in which I think that we can think through our lives and ourselves, because we live in such an extraordinary moment in the past. There have been matrilineal societies, mm-hmm. there have been, you know, woman-centered goddess societies, but what is different from, like, history to today Is that we've never had on scale the ability for women of different classes, of different, you know, quote unquote tribes, different races to be able to try and actualize. I don't know if we actualize, but we can (laughs) definitely we can definitely try. Yes, we can definitely be on the journey to figure it out. When you say try to actualize, can you
2: go a little yeah. bit deeper? Can you define that a little bit Yeah. More?
1: We can try to figure out why we're here. Mm-hmm. We can try to be on a journey of figuring out what is our inner calling if there is a thing, right? Mm-hmm. We can try to find purpose mm-hmm. if we have one. Or we can make it up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we right.
1: can, Totally. You know, and then, and then try that. And if that works out, wonderful. But if it doesn't, we can do something else. Something that I think is really amazing is we can opt to say, fuck men today. And if in three days you fall head over heels and want to be a stay-at-home mom, do you, boo? Yes. Do you, boo? Yes, yes. Okay? It's so true. Like That's agency. That's the ability to choose one's life. And whether those choices are good or bad, they're in your They're yours, yes, and I think that the ability of walking, no realizing that because so much I think of the feminine internalized narrative is that we have to ask for permission or we're waiting for permission. Mm -hmm. But what we forget sometimes, especially if we are in a place where we can move, you know, the way we want to, is that every moment is ours. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say you always have control over your life because there's still external factors, Mm -hmm. but it's yours. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you get to sort of be in co-creation with the universe or God or whatever, whoever you believe in. Mm -hmm. Right. You get to co-create your experience of life. That's what I mean by trying to actualize. Yes.
2: That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I love that. That's so beautiful. And you're absolutely right. You forget that, or maybe we don't know how short ago it was a time that we yeah. didn't have any of those things.
1: Like one, two generations like in the 70s up a bank account yes right, thank god right. for ruth bader
2: ginsburg like that's why i will praise like rbg like she changed all of our existences as we know it her and the lady who started the birth control pill those two women changed generations they changed all of like the world as we know it literally literally yeah. like people don't realize yeah. yeah to get an apartment to science to get anything if you weren't married you had to have your fucking father or your brother girl could you imagine your this father is, or it, your brother?
1: Yes. To sign a list to get a awesome. credit card. It's crazy it
3: wasn't that long ago.
2: It's no, crazy. it was the seventies.
1: So new. It's so new. Yes. So so this is where I say, you know, if someone is listening and struggling with whatever is happening in their own life, take heed of the fact that this is all new, mm-hmm. right? If you're struggling with your dating life, like patriarchy has been around for thousands of years. And we're setting up and being like, I want somebody to treat me like this and this and this. Literally, like our evolutionary bodies are like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Men are like, I can't be that way. Right. Like, we're
2: like, what? Or just like catching up. Yeah. 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 I always say this to women. I'm like, women have changed. Men haven't. Mm-hmm. Like, women, like, we have gone, undergone this entire like they culture. They have a lot more work. They have yeah. a lot more work. And even though they understand, it's, like, little things, like, who's going to do the dishes? Who's going to cook the food? If we have a child, who's going to cu- Who's gonna stay home? And it's one thing to, like, say, yeah, babe, I'm there with you. But it's another thing to be in the fucking trenches and to be, like, wait, what do you... You? I'll, I need to do that? Okay. All right. This is part of being a yeah. feminist. All right, babe. Like, But yeah. they don't fucking know. It's not natural to them. They don't understand you know, like the hidden, you know, pink taxes that are just sprinkled all throughout our lives, you know? (laughs)
1: Right. right. So that's why I say we live in a very interesting, particular moment, because Mm -hmm. again, coming back to what I said, like, I I speak from both sides of the fence where I say, what a time to be alive. If you have the ability to go get your life, go fucking get it. Mm -hmm. And also, What a moment in time where to be conflicted with, you know, feeling the remnants of what, you know, the patriarchy has had a hold on and also to live in a world where a majority of the women are still imbued in this are still just fighting for bride price or fighting for all these basic necessities to be able to own land, to be able to own your own name. Like Mm -hmm. those two things are operating together. Like it's not a part, you know, we're Mm -hmm. part and parcel of, you know, we're just living on this world together. So it's a lot, but Mm -hmm. I, but at least for me, it's what allows me to feel connected. Like it's what allows me to feel like I have a sense of purpose. Perhaps that for me is why I feel actualized. Like when I think about like Oban my company, it merges two things, right? It merges one on the one hand, like I love luxury, like hashtag be a boss bitch, all mm-hmm, the things. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I'm still a consumer in this world. And really, what does that mean? Right? What mm-hmm. what does it mean to care? What does it mean to be compassionate? But you don't want to feel guilty all the time. You don't want to mm-hmm. feel, you know, like it's you so can't. Mm-hmm. right? It's so heavy, right? And so it's like, that's where business comes in. And that's where enterprise comes in. And that's where people making really cool shit and content creators come in, because we can do things in different ways. Mm-hmm. That sort of gives you that net positive. Yeah. So for us, it's be luxurious, wear the Hermes, we just don't necessarily always need to buy new, yes. right? Yeah. So we can still access the beautiful things that we love. We can still try to, act. I I never say actualize because I think it's a journey, it's a process, Mm -hmm. but we can try to actualize and we can get our lives and we can do it in a way where we're conscious of others. And that feels good too.
2: Mm -hmm. It really does. You know, it's, I constantly find myself in a really, Difficult, like internal struggle of what it is to be a black woman in America, but also a bougie bitch who likes really nice things, and also like yeah. a businesswoman, and also somebody who has incredible empathy. So yeah. it's very heavy, like you were just saying, to weigh all of those things. And it's like, you know, I've been realizing lately that what it is to live in a first world country is sort of like as Animals, humans are at the top of the food chain because we have the ability to Mm self-actualize. We have the ability to think. We just have consciousness, right? And so I think that being a first world person, especially being a first world woman, is so much like that. Like we're able to have this consciousness that other people aren't even able to do. And the fact that like we can sit as three women and have these conversations and talk about things that, yes, affect us, but don't really necessarily directly affect us, I think it's kind of like akin to having, I mean, it is having unconscious, but it's like, it's the same difference. I don't know. Yeah. And one of the things that I loved about your company was one of the reasons that I love shopping at the Real Real. Like I try very, very hard not to often buy new. I usually go to the Real Real because a bitch likes nice things and a bitch ain't rich. So <laughs> I will gladly wear some other rich bitches secondhand things <laughs> for $20. And so I love finding different companies that are like what you're doing that are allowing us to hold these multitudes, that are allowing us to be at odds with these different wants within, you know, that's what it means to be, I guess, a 21st century woman. Well, one, it's great for the environment. Two is I can't afford the shit at wholesale. I wish at wholesale price, at retail price, girl. I can't afford it. (laughs) So it gives affordability. I love it. I absolutely love it.
1: I want to ask you a question and I want to unpack where you say being, you know, an African American woman and then being a bougie bitch, Mm -hmm. right? That there feels a segmentation or fragmentation there. Can we unpack that? Because I think that's really deep. Yeah. And I think that it's something that we don't speak about in terms of black women feeling like are we allowed to enjoy life are we allowed to feel like we you know we could be bougie bitches and in my experience of talking to lots of black women women there is sometimes a shame or at least a having to fight for one sense of like I want the nice things in life. So I'd love to unpack that and hear more about your experience with that and where that tension lies within you. For sure. I think that it's, you know, I've been thinking a lot
2: about this. I think especially now that I'm on a podcast and in business with a white woman who sees things happening to the two of us now because now she's involved with a black woman, right? So she'll see the microaggressions That are happening that she's never seen before. Do you know what I mean? Because now we're one. Like, so once, you know, when we went to open a bank account, we opened a bank account with this um, Hispanic guy. He's great, whatever, whatever. And then this sort of Eastern European woman came over who's his boss and was just very like, so what's your business? What are you guys doing? She
3: was asking questions that she probably normally does ask people opening business accounts, but in a very accusatory way. Yes, yes. Just her facial expressions yeah. alone, I was like, "What the fuck is going on so, here?" Yeah,
2: to the point we left, and right. Alex looked at me and was like, "Was that just some racist bullshit <laughs> that we right. just encountered?" And right. so, so it
3: definitely it, was. It definitely was. It definitely. I've never had anyone talk to me in that way, right? Especially, very especially strange.
2: a couple girls walking in, knowing yes, we got a che- we got a check from Stitcher, bitch. That's what I'm depositing <laughs> today. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? like so. In that sense, I've been thinking a lot about respectability politics lately and what that means and just the way the different ways in which we have been, not everybody, but me specifically, I'll speak for myself, has been taught to move in the world in which you're viewed as respectable to the outside right and I think that part of that for sure is dressing and is in looking Do you know my mom always said like never leave the house without looking your best because you never know who you're gonna run into and yes part of that like recently I was so fucking happy that I thought about that moment before I left the house and went back in and changed but most of that more so is about respectability politics right it's about like as black women we have to look a certain way so that we can be respected by you know the general public or what have you with that being said I should say you know my background is in fashion I went to Parsons School of Design for my undergrad I studied fashion studies like I've just always loved fashion I've always loved clothing and I've always loved luxury because I also studied luxury and so part of me wonders like what's the separation between just loving fashion and loving like the transformational nature and the respectability politics about it, about not being able to just walk out looking like whatever, like constantly. And even if I do go out walk, looking like whatever, I'm aware of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like those things. And so I think that that is what I grapple with the most is kind of just, like, coming to terms with those things. And then, again, girl, like, I can't afford the things that I want. Like, I certainly (laughs) cannot afford the things that I want, which is why I figure out other ways around getting them new and figure out ways that we can have these things and not pay full price or what have you. But then once I have those things, of course, I think, like, do I feel this way because this is truly a beautiful object or do I feel this way because I know who made this object? And I think it's a little bit of both, and I don't wear, you know, monogrammed anything because I never – because of that reason, I think, because I don't want, I never want that to be an issue. Do you know what I mean? Like if I wear something that's beautiful and I know what the label is, then I don't have to worry about if it's respectability politics or even if it's me trying to make up for what I quote unquote think is lacking based on what I'm wearing and what that person thinks of me, which is a lot of like, do you know, the peacocking, I think, of fashion but I also think that that's the peacocking of fashion who do it more to show off than it is for like the love of the objects which I love I love well-made things I love it I love the way it makes me feel I love the way that it looks I love the way it can change your posture like I love well-made objects so for me it's never about the monogram it's like yeah but how does it fit yeah but can I have it for Mm -hmm. 20 years yeah but can I give it to my daughter is that what I'm paying for and so I know that within black culture that isn't necessarily the truth for everybody especially when you look at like hip-hop culture and things like that and so that's you know it's that's where I grapple with everything is like where do I fit on the spectrum of luxury respectability loving things for actually loving them girl I'm just too I'm thinking too much about it it's just this is what I'm talking about it's just I'm thinking too much about it and at this point this is usually when I say and that's why they never wanted us to learn how to read yeah because it's too
1: so That's weird. That is so hilarious. <laughs> true. Because, because while you were talking, I thought, yeah, like we could unpack all of that. But my question is pr- probably beyond unpacking that, because everything you've said is valid to your experience mm-hmm. and to the world you live in and the way you move in the world. And my question would be like, what would it take to heal that? Like, what would it take for you to just like see something Wear it and enjoy it and not have to have that internal loop around yeah, like have all these thoughts. how you're appearing in the world. Because to me, the eradication, you know, as we talk about trying to actualize, like when I think of like being free or trying to be free, again, these are just processes. Like, I don't know anyone that's quote unquote free, mm-hmm. but like regardless of race gender blah 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 like we're all just on a path of trying to figure out what it means to move as a person you know in alignment but for you specifically what would freeing up that mental space do for you like because even if we think about the emotional imprint of some of the things you've just discussed like if we were to parse it all down there's elements of shame in there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's elements of wanting to be subversive, but then also wanting to be respectable. Mm-hmm. There's elements of feeling that internalized sense of will people like me if I don't appear this way? Mm-hmm. There's an internalized sense of is this person only liking me because I. I feel this way. And that's a lot of stuff to just be carrying in that body of yours that has other things to do because you are working to become that boss bitch who has the financial resources to buy the things you want to buy. And so, you know, I would sort of hold space for you to explore beyond this conversation. What would it look like to let that go? Because you're carrying stuff that you don't need to carry.
2: girl. I don't even know what that would feel oh, like, Shit. honestly. I have no... And so it's so funny that when you are speaking that I was thinking about... Did you see the Summer of Soul documentary that just came out? No, I haven't. Did I see it? You should definitely watch it. It's incredible. Okay. But part of it, Nina Simone... Or somebody asked her, what does it feel like to be free? And she was saying, like, freedom feels like you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to think mm-hmm. about... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no Safety. fear no fear no fear that's what it was and mm-hmm. i have no idea what that feels like because even just as a woman walking through the world let alone let's like let let's strip down my race right and let's just say as a woman walking through the world as a woman walking through the world it's all through the eyes of the male gaze in new york city anyway
3: mm-hmm. i hate to say
2: it but it's the truth and every day i leave the house i think is this going to draw too much attention to me? Is somebody going to look at this? Is somebody going to comment on this? Is this going to get me possibly raped, you know, like at the most extreme? Mm -hmm. You know, there's times that I get dressed in the morning and my boyfriend will be like, that's what you're going to wear for the ladies? And I'm like, this is when I can wear this is for the ladies. You know what I'm talking about? Like the leather shorts and the thigh-high boots and the bodysuit. You know what I mean? Right, you can feel safe. I can feel safe. And that's and he goes, so the ladies are going to like that? I'm like, that bitch is going to like the (laughs) ladies are gonna go crazy because they understand also they'll also appreciate it for the fashion fashion, yes and not for you know the skeins and all of that but girl to answer your question I have no idea what that would feel like because besides just being a black woman I'm a woman and at the end of the day I don't know what it's like to not be a black woman but more so I don't know what it's like to not be a woman
1: I want to rephrase that okay I want to say right now your experience is that you don't know what it means to be a woman who sees herself for herself first.
2: I don't know what it's like to be a woman that's able to represent on the outside physically, in my dress, a hundred percent any day of the week how I'm feeling while feeling, feeling safe, night. leaving the house. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? yeah like i like bomb all the time like me looking in the mirror i'm like girl you're fucking killing like and and that's i've I've worked very hard to get this mindset so it's not i need to work on loving myself in different ways (laughs) yeah but in terms of like what you're asking it's not it certainly isn't about me because like i said i love like i get dressed because i fucking love it dude i will turn my Entire mind around with an outfit like it's a hundred percent for me. Occasionally it's for my man, occasionally it's for the ladies, but it's ninety nine percent for me. And where the fear comes in is how the outside world will react to that. For safety, honestly,
1: more than anything. Yeah, and can you get the things you want to access? And
2: can I get the yes, girl? Yes, a hundred percent. Because that's the other part, right? Like you were saying, is
1: power.
0: Is right.
2: accumulating power and commanding respect with that power, which as a black businesswoman, it takes a lot of finagling and thinking. Back to what you're saying, like how much mental space would you have if you didn't have to think about that girl a lot? I have
3: the confidence of a mediocre white man? It, it's it's just a
2: different energy God. level that people will receive.
3: Yeah, I think of my husband, and he's not even tall. He's good looking, but he's only like five nine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, but he has confidence and. I'm trying to think of things that he said to me where he's like, yeah, just go in and say that. And I'm like, wait, yeah, you would
2: do that. Exactly. And it would
3: work. Yeah. Yeah. It would. He said yeah. it because it would. Yes. Cause he's done it
2: before and it's worked out just fine.
1: Yeah. But do yeah. you know what? Can I tell you, I, I hear all the things you're saying and it's very much my experience as well, of course. And it's funny because so something that I do, it's like a little exercise I do it myself and like my close girlfriends. Like we, we call it like playing with power. Right. Mm-hmm. So the reason I love reading all these stories about like powerful women, you know, throughout history, whether it be warriors or princesses or just witches or maidens or, you know, healer, whatever it is, because it's just, it gives you a different model I'd love of to femininity, some, of these,
2: some titles of some of these books. If you have any to recommend, because yeah, let's shut up awesome. some fucking books. Yeah. I <laughs> want to read these <laughs> badass too.
1: You can also listen to my podcast where I talk to a lot of these modern day women. Oh, they're pretty, yes. they're pretty phenomenal. But to speak to this, I say, like, one thing that can feel very trapping is if you feel like who you are is your only self. And I know this is going to get a little psychological and a little twilight zone, but... What the gift of my childhood gave me was that I could try on different hats. And, mm-hmm. like, not to
3: interrupt, but I'm going to interrupt for a sec. When you talked about your childhood, the first thing I thought was she's a very adaptable human. Mm-hmm.
1: Ex- exactly. Sure. And, I, and I think like that's a gift that I've been given. And so it's not naturally who I am. It was the circumstances that allowed me to become that. And I think mm-hmm. that's really important. Because sometimes we attach to the self as like, this is who I am. But we can actually become many things. And so when you play with power, you can try different things and see the reaction to it. So the other day I had a vendor who didn't give me what I wanted Now, old Melissa would have been like, oh, no, like, like, and just sort of like, you know, done." when I tell you the messages he got from me, I said, bro, I will take it to the court with you because I'm not here to play. Like, I don't have time for this shit. Yes. Right. Yes. He tried to bolster a little bit and be like, oh, I'm going to send you like I'm going to send it to my legal team. I said, I'm waiting. I love it. Yes. The next day, the next day. I had everything I'd asked for, plus some. Yes. Okay? Damn. Yes. Um, yes. But that's not my natural demeanor. Like, my natural demeanor, I'm very gentle, I'm very loving, I want to know what all the, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm Kumbaya I'm all day. Like, hippie 101, yes. right? But don't push me. Exact. And yeah. I had to access a part of myself, right, mm-hmm. that didn't necessarily feel comfortable, but got me what I wanted yes. in a different way, right? Like, so... There's the performative aspect of respectability where Mm -hmm. I show up maybe with a weave or a wig and I do all that and I have high heels. But again, because it's mine, I feel empowered by it, Mm -hmm. right? But if I want to go off and call someone a mother effer and be like, don't you dare play with me today, that's Mm -hmm. also a tool in my toolbox. But here's the thing, just try it. It's not, you know, try it in a low stakes environment. Don't yes. try it in the boardroom, like where you're. <laughs> yes. No, but I
2: love this because you're 100% true. And as a businesswoman, I've had to learn to have these different tools. And it hasn't been an easy journey and it's still something that not, I'm really working on. Like right. exactly what you're saying, I said to Alex a couple of weeks ago, I was like, how do you stand up for yourself and then not feel bad afterwards? And she's like, you got to work through it in therapy, girl. But it's like, you know, getting these things in your toolbox, you're absolutely right. And being able to hold, all of these multitudes and be the person that you need to be in the moment. I mean a hundred percent for business, like in America mm-hmm. anyway, you have to have those different modes. You just have to because yeah.
3: I mean there's even I'm like being overly confident sometimes. I yes! think I'm, yeah. not even overly just like a little confident overly just like get what you want (laughs)
1: yes a little confidence will get you far i remember dating this guy who you know he's ceo of his company and i remember him just like saying one day because i was explaining to him something like he he just didn't have a nuanced look at something right and i'm thinking that oh like this is a moment where you need more empathy and i'm explaining it to him that way and he looks at me and he goes and he's like no 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 like in a room people shift to me i don't shift to them and in that moment i realized wow. like no it's not that he doesn't know he has chosen power as his tool yeah and he enjoys moving in the world in that particular way and i th- and i remember being like and again power looks a lot of different ways and mm-hmm. it's for us individually to choose what works and what doesn't. The world I want to see is very empathetic. It does rely on a lot of those very feminine traits of, you know, like it's a merger of the masculine and feminine, which we all have in us. Mm -hmm. But that was a moment where I go, Oh, hmm, like, what would it look like if I like when I'm in a meeting, and I'm talking about black women, and people are trying to like, talk a little crazy like why am I talking about black women and I make them seem like they're the dummy like mm. oh like you really don't know this is the wave right yes that's a tool and you play with it and sometimes and again we still live in a crazy world we still live in a patriarchal world but having these tools to play with give us a sense of ownership right and again you're always confronting that safety line but at least, Again, we have agency around it, right? Like, mm-hmm. if one day you're like, I'm wearing the thigh-high boots, you're wearing the thigh-high boots for self. But if you're like, I'm wearing the shorts and, like, this is what it is, I'm doing this, but it's yours. It's yours first mm-hmm. always.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. So many yeses. Being a woman is fucked up.
1: Well, it's also yeah. great. I think that it's, it's so also great. Good.
2: I think that, you know, I remember the first time like as a young woman realizing that there's more that there's something else that can attract a man besides the physical look and I remember like you know being in college and asking somebody like oh do you think that so-and-so was like hot and he was like yeah but not for the reasons that you're thinking and realizing just like kind of exactly what we're saying about playing with power just there's so many ways As women, that we can be alluring and be powerful and use our wiles, I guess. But just, like, use all of the tools that are in our bucket to get what we need or want in different times. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's so fucking powerful. That's what everyone's doing. Yeah. Yes. Who can? Yes. Who can? Yes. A hundred percent. I love... Okay, can we talk a little bit about your company? Because... (laughs) <laughs> I'm okay. So I'm obsessed because I have really, really sensitive skin. I can't wear any fake jewelry. You know, even aluminum deodorant makes me break out terribly. So, and it's always been this way my whole life. So, Because of that, I can unfortunately and fortunately only have the good shit. But again, I'm not rich. So it makes for buying and being able to play with accessories like really difficult. And actually, my partner just the other day, which who has like excellent taste and it's one of the reasons I love him, was like, you know, honey, before you became an esthetician, like used to play a lot more with jewelry and like, you don't. I don't ever see you accessorizing anymore. And I was like, well, you want to spend this $800 for these cool hoop earrings because that's what it costs any time. And he's like, nobody said all that, but, you know, maybe just think about it. So when I was looking through your site, first of all, girl, I put my credit card down immediately. I was like, oh, so this was built for me. This is perfect. <laughs> but I love the concept because... The pieces that I do have, like, I invest in statement pieces because, you know, if I'm going to wear it, I'm going to wear it. And people always will compliment. Like, I can think specifically, like, pieces that people will always compliment. And it makes such a difference in your outfit. It can level up something that's just, like, you know, something plain from uh, American Apparel to something that's coming off the runway. So, I, I love that you're doing this. It hasn't been done before, which I'm shocked that it hasn't, but... I just think it's so special. It's
3: amazing. I'm thinking in my head right now how I wish I knew about your company when, like, I feel like there was, like, a two-year span where I had shit tons of weddings. hmm That would have been so perfect. Yes. And even just now for work, I feel like it would be really nice to just feel, like, put together without having to spend a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm and also just right. for women to like be able to feel like they look nice yes. without having to spend a shit ton of money. Yes. Maybe they've a big a bunch <laughs> of job interviews and they want to look great. Totally. Maybe they've a new office job but they're like fuck, I don't have any money saved to ex- you know, look nice every day at work. Yeah. I don't and know, I feel matters. like it's just genius for so many reasons. It is.
2: And the pieces that I saw on your site are gorgeous. Like they're statement pieces, Thanks. like pieces that like I had a friend who grew up very wealthy and she had this gorgeous Tiffany's like gold necklace that you know, her mom left to her when she passed. And like, that's what I saw on your site. I was
1: like, oh, for real? <laughs> like- Thank you for the compliment. And I love how you said, because <laughs> I don't want to spend a shit ton of money like five times. I'm like, that should be an ad we do. or it's just like, <laughs> if you don't want <laughs> to for when you expensive. don't want to spend a shit ton of money. No, but it's like, the truth.
2: Like, ju- like good jewel, ju- and I guess I say it with such such emphasis because I've never been able to buy costume jewelry. I've never been able to just go and buy like five dollar whatever. So like, I know the price of these things. Like, I know how you know. Even on Etsy, somebody would be like, I'm the oh, same. It's, I it's can't a,
3: wear the cheap stuff. I, yeah, my skin turns green. So I've tried.
2: Girl, I've done it all the jewelry. So like that's why I can say it with such emphasis. Like good jewelry is expensive. Jewelry that you want to yeah. have last forever, that you can wear every day in the shower, have it not tarnish, not turn your skin green. Mm-hmm. It is
3: expensive. Also, maybe you do want some trendy stuff. Exactly. But again, it. Because that's what it all comes lot from. And maybe- it all comes from
2: these huge houses that then, like, you know, the Forever 21s and, right. and the H&Ms will start to knock off. And so, like, if you want the actual Cartier or the actual, you know, Yves Saint Laurent or Dior, you go to where it's
3: got it. It's a really awesome business model. I'm yes. very into and we it. Do,
1: right now we have monthly memberships, but we are going to be opening up to do one-time rentals. So when you mm. do have the weddings or you just have the events or yes. whatever, Genius. you can just come on. Yes. And you don't have to be tied to the monthly membership. But what I'll say is we're very, very, very new. And so, of course, with COVID, we couldn't launch the way that we wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of look at it like where we are is really just in a place where our members get to tell us the kind of brand they want to see, which I think is cool. As as you can tell, like I have a lot of very like out there ideas and pretty fringe and pretty radical. And so like, you know, the same goes with business. And I, I do think that business can be a place to do some really cool things. And I think that the women we serve should also feel like they are represented uh, in the brand. Right. Mm-hmm. And I also feel as though, so even just like an example of that is we're currently doing a crowdfund campaign. I saw and this. It's yes. Genius. And usually with crowdfunds, you know, it's the Indiegogo, Kickstarter sort of thing. You donate money and you get a gift. But we're doing equity crowdfunding, which is really new. It's five years old. And equity crowdfund means that you can become an owner of a company with a minimum of $100. Which is my whole thing about like we're democratizing luxury, but we can also democratize this whole like Mm. business investment thing. Like Mm -hmm. how many women like, okay, even even getting out of the woman conversation, typically in the Silicon Valley model, you need to be an accredited investor, meaning you need to have a net worth of at least one million Mm dollars to invest in private businesses and startups. Right. Mm -hmm. How many people get a million dollars to just be like investing in startups? Right. Laying around. Exactly. So, so we already know that creates a huge division. If you're thinking about building wealth for yourself, mm-hmm. right? It's unless you can like rap like Cardi, or like you know mm-hmm. you can become a ball player and entertainer, right? It's it's entrepreneurship, it's stocks, mm-hmm. it's investment, right? Like those are the way, ways of building wealth, real estate. So with equity crowdfunding you're able to invest in a business minimum of a hundred dollars you get shares and that you know as the business becomes successful you get dividends in that and so where our crowdfund is currently open you can go to our site if you want to check that out obanj.com we have a sort of like pop-up awesome. or you can go to our site on WeFunder. It's Mm -hmm. W-E-F-U-N-D-E-R dot com slash Obange and check it out. And I encourage all the women like we've been talking about power a lot this episode. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like feeling like being able to walk around and be like, no, I'm a boss bitch. Like I invest. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I'm invested in the company that I got the Louis, you know, from. Yes. You know, I look like money, but I'm making money
2: too. Um, I love this. I saw this on your site. And also for the listeners, you got your undergrad degree at the London School of Economics, right?
1: I got my master's at the London
2: School of Economics. Okay, so. She's like,
3: bitch, I got my master's Yeah, exactly. Get it right, first of all.
2: First of all, read the bio correctly. No, but you're a woman who knows in terms of Economics, in terms of money, in terms of finance, in terms of looking at the market, you're somebody who is very well versed. And so you're not just like me and Alex, we are like, guys, you've got a fund. Wait, what is it? It's like you're
1: somebody who. No, we are the same. We are totally the same. We're just women who try trying to make it. Like, yes,
2: right. no. no, no. She has no, got a degree. Are, though. We're trying to make it. Yes, but you've got a degree and that makes me feel I trust you. I trust you exactly. <laughs> I know that like well, one is I've heard of this um crowd investing, crowdfunding, but I'd never mm-hmm. seen I've never spoken to somebody who's actually doing it. And so I love that. But I also just think it says a lot about where your brain space is as a business owner and what you want for your stakeholders, but also what you want for like the business. I think it makes it more yeah. of just a mission statement and really a great, like a true mission.
1: Yeah. Not just talking about it, be about it. Exactly. You know? Yes. Totally. Like, can, do you mind just
2: telling us like how the business
1: works, like from yeah. the
2: back end? And if this is trade secrets, we don't need to tell the listeners, but I'm kind <laughs> of curious like how you've got like these incredible companies to get on board.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really about just having like relationships with suppliers, right? Like our idea. So Where we come from it is the sense of if we're an individual buying these pieces, you're buying, you know, an $800 piece or whatnot, that's really expensive to do by yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. But if we're able to sort of have these relationships with suppliers and we're able to buy sort of in bulk, right, like it sort of changes how we're able to relate, you know, and have that buying relationship
0: mm-hmm. so
1: we're able to purchase from suppliers that have you know if we're buying from third parties like that would be somewhere like the real real or fashion file you know so they have authentication teams but if we're working with the the shop itself or we're buying from the store itself then you know like there's nothing more authentic than Chanel yeah right um, yeah. and so uh there's <laughs> there's that on the one hand But I think for me, I sort of look at us like we are a second closet. So, you know, if you're like, I want options and I want options from lots of different places, like that's how you can sort of think of us, you know, Mm -hmm. and as we grow and as we expand, you know, we're always bringing on new arrivals. Again, we're small right now. So like we put pieces up and they're rented in seconds. Like it's insane. I bet. And so just trying to keep up with with the demand, you know, Yeah, that's
3: so great. This
2: is so awesome. But
1: I really think that this is an
2: incredible company and you're also an incredible human. You're such, yes. Who and yes. and two is we want to, you're the exact type of, you know, entrepreneur, business owner that we want to spotlight on our show. Because at the end of the day, these days, like there's so many businesses, there's so many startups, there's so many people making things and to know who's behind them and to support them, it's important for the business owner, I think, to yes. tell their story and share oh. who they are, so that people want to support you and all your Thank endeavors. Thank
1: you. I, I really appreciate. It. I've loved talking to you, ladies. I I love how like aware you are, and how you know just w- walking through the world and doing your thing, like. It's all we can ask of ourselves, right? And yeah, it's, totally. it's super great. Thank you for letting me spend some time with you. Absolutely. Oh God,
2: thanks for Will being you, online. again, tell the people your podcast, where yeah. people can sign up for Obange, give them all, where they can give you all of their money and <laughs> any social media <laughs> sites or anything that you'd like to plug?
1: Yeah. So we'll start with the company. That's obange.com obanj.com and from there you can get to our wefunder campaign which is our crowdfund campaign but again you know you can go to wefunder.com/obanj i highly highly recommend even if you don't invest with us i recommend anyone listening to look into that platform learn a bit about equity crowdfunding and start investing ladies you know mm-hmm. we all we we have one life and get yours as i say part of that is that financial aspect mm-hmm. but if you are gonna invest Obond bond would be a good place to start yes <laughs> so- <laughs> but i like,
3: highly
2: recommend walk around looking rich while you get rich there's nothing exactly. wrong with that that is look so around beautiful. We thunder,
1: but come back come yes back. i love Man. it <laughs> Second is my podcast where I talk to some of the world's most audacious high-achieving women in the world and so I really am spanning the globe uh talking to women in China refugees and wherever you know who have just my god these women just have like arlen Hamilton is one example she's pretty I famous the,
2: I love her I love her book.
1: Yes, it's about damn time. It's she's famous in the time. venture capital world. Arlen Hamilton built her $10 million venture capital fund while she was homeless. Yes. Right? She's fucking um, incredible. I
2: want to get her on this podcast. I'm so glad that you shouted her out because now I'm going to yes. reach out to her again. She's
1: such a badass. Love exactly, Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we're talking to women like that all around the world who are really formidable. And again, when I talk about this playing with power, you listen to these women, some are very sharp, some are emphatic, some are passionate, some are demure, calm, gentle, but you get that element of, you know, they're playing with power, they're getting their lives. And I think that that's the kind of energy we need to be hearing on a daily basis. So you can go ahead and go to theidealistspodcast.com, t h e i d. E-A-L-I-S-T-S-P-O-D-C-A-T-S dot <laughs> com. I was in the middle of spelling that spelling like what be. did I get my thoughts? I'm here? literally typing <laughs> this in right
2: now. I'm so excited to listen to these. <laughs>
1: I was like, what listen to the last one I did. That one's on the divine feminine and witches. I speak oh, to Right up my alley. Yes. Yeah. The former oh, so chief content officer from
3: Goop. I'm very excited to have to listen <laughs> Ooh, to it all the time. I know, unlike ours.
2: Elise Lohan on Witches, the Divine Feminine and the Deep Ancestral Wound Women Carry.
3: That sounds so fucking good So everybody go
2: and subscribe and listen to that We are definitely doing it, we've already subscribed Thank you so so much This was such a pleasure It really was,
3: you taught me a lot too, thank you Honestly, yes Hey guys Hey Hope you enjoyed that episode what were your takeaways? Everything you guys were talking about, about black British people Mm -hmm. versus black American people. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? I know there's so many nuances,
2: but it's like when you were telling me about the different types of Judaism, like when you're like, there's uh, the oh
3: Sephardic Jews. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly.
2: It's just like nuances within communities that if you're outside of it, you don't have any idea that are happening and why would you because
3: totally you're not
2: within it but i love that's what i love about the show is i just love shining lights on all of the ways that we're different but the same
3: totally no that that was really interesting i really learned a lot there and this what is it called we funding yes so interesting yes so cool i can't wait to go on there and take to take see all around. the companies that are on there and i like that she was like women go on this yes See what's on there that you would want to invest in. Yes. Not just her company. Like, it seems fucking awesome.
2: It seems awesome. And I am just love that she's, like, for the democratization of power, which is, like, yes. such an oxymoron. But it's, yeah, it's definitely yeah. my takeaway from this conversation. No, for
3: sure. I really learned a lot. She's so cool. Her fucking radio show. How cool yes. is that? I wish. How do we find that? I know. We need to go deep <laughs> de- diving recordings? into the archives. Exactly. Well, the internet. Now I just know it means that... I need to listen to her podcast because I haven't listened to it.
2: Yes, I haven't listened to it either. I am so excited for it. And I found out I couldn't hear it because in all of her other articles, it's referring to its old name. So if yes, you, yes, it's called The
3: Idealist. Yes. With an S at the with end. With an S
2: at the end and a period. A period. Um, so go and subscribe to that. We already have... And also definitely check out Obange. I mean, it's $30, I believe, a month for one piece of jewelry at a time. I think it's $50 for two pieces of jewelry. I'm not joking that, like, I'm signing up for this immediately. Y'all are going to see me flaunting on Instagram. Gonna be all blinged out. When all blinged out, I cannot wait. I'm really, really excited. I think that this is such a great idea.
3: I'm also excited for when she does, like, one-time – offers one-time rentals. Yes. I'll love that for when I have an event. Yes. I hate when I, like, have a dress for an event – and then I'm like, fuck! What earrings am I gonna wear? I and know. I don't want to have to go spend money. And you're like, if
2: I was just Lady Gaga and I could get that Tiffany fucking beautiful pendant that she was wearing at the Oscars, this wouldn't be a problem, honestly. But, but it's gonna know, solve a lot of issues. Tiffany's isn't gonna just rent to you or I, but you know who will? <laughs> Melissa. It's Melissa. Thanks, girl.
3: She's like, I'm here for all the broke bitches. I'm
2: here for all y'all broke <laughs> bitches that are trying to be something, but also just like we joke that it's like for broke bitches but also there's a whole dark side of jewelry making there's a whole dark side of you know uh, blood diamonds and like where do these precious metals come from and all of these things and there's this entire side of this industry that I completely forgot to touch on and that we don't know anything about but in you know, keeping fashion circular and keeping these things going around—it really does make the world a better place because you're not constantly making these things. It's one product that can serve mm-hmm. so many other people, which I love, love, love.
3: No, it's true. And as always, don't forget to follow us on, on Instagram the at. True Beauty Brooklyn Podcast. Also, guys, do you remember at the beginning when I begged for reviews?
2: Well, we're going to beg again. I'm begging again. I'll even stop singing the song if that's what is stopping you from
3: leaving reviews. I'll have my, mm, mm,
2: mm, mm,
3: ay, mm, mm, mm We won't mm, even sing ay. anymore. We won't even talk in British accents. Just, just Leave just us a nice that's review, please. We're going to keep
2: talking the accents. I'll try to not... I can't tell you. Again. I'm not going to sing. I love singing. I'm sorry. But leave us a review. We would absolutely adore it. Tell it would your be mother. So
3: nice. Oh, it would be nice. I said. I'm so
2: sorry. I, said I know. All right. It's a
3: Madonna song. It's
2: fine. It's fine. It's fine. They love your singing. If you're gonna leave us a review, you clearly like our singing. We appreciate it, <laughs> guys. Email us at truebeautybrooklynpodcast at podcast The gram we already talked about. Rate, review, subscribe. We already talked about. We got some merch. Hey, we got some merch. Hey, it's at exactly right Hey, that wasn't one of my better songs. it was okay thanks we'll just ignore it (laughs) alright guys we love you thank you for listening thanks for
3: tuning in we'll see you soon thank you so much bye bye this has been a COC BK production produced by us elizabeth taylor and alex shapiro our
2: engineer is bart tripoli our theme music composer is zebra sonic our artwork is by garrett ross our photos hair and makeup are by sabrina and joe holdsworth
3: if you're an advertiser interested in advertising on our show go to midroll.com ads for more information go to exactly
1: seeking the truth never gets old